0: Aloha, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Pod Squad. Chad Blair with Honolulu Civil Beat. And today, uh, in recognition that May is Mental Health Month, we're talking about mental health. And to do that, an old friend of mine and colleague, Beth Ann Kozlovich, is joining us. She is the Senior Development Officer at Kahi Mohala, and she's here to talk mental health. Hello, Beth Ann.
1: Hello there, Chad.
0: Uh, We'll share a little bit right now, just get it Full disclosure, uh, you were with Hawaii Public Radio for many years and we were media partners and, and uh, we've shared many a microphone, but it, it's been a while.
1: We have and it's been a while and f- and frankly too long and I'm glad for the opportunity now to reconnect with you with a microphone between us <laughs> and also talk about something that is truly near and dear to my heart and, and why I changed my life.
0: Good. We w- we will get right to that. For those out there in Podland who do not know what Kahi Mohala is, tell us. What it is, please.
1: I sure will. Actually, the formal name is Sutter Health Kahimohala because it's an affiliate of Sutter Health, which is a group from California, but it's the only facility in Hawaii, and it is the only freestanding psychiatric hospital that focuses on children as young as four all the way through high school teens, and it's the only one in Hawaii.
0: As young as four?
1: As young as four.
0: And where are you guys located on Oahu?
1: It's out in Eva Beach on 14 and a half acres of former Sugar Land.
0: Wow. Well, I I was out in the Beach the other day covering uh, an event at um, Campbell High School. It's like a whole other world out of there. I need to get out more of my little box and go join you. Well, tell me more about what's going on and why we are talking about Mental Health Month. Why is it in May that we make this recognition of understanding mental health concerns?
1: Well, at some point, it was designated. and, And for whatever reason, truly, I don't think any of us really know. But the good thing is that it gives us an opportunity to talk about mental health, particularly mental health for, youth and children. Um, I got to say, this pushes every mommy button I have Mm. about it to see a child in pain.
0: Mom of three probably grown boys by now.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, we wonder about that sometimes, but that's a whole other conversation. But it
0: pushes your buttons because I'm sure a great concern to any mother or father, for that matter, that their their kids might be uh, ill mentally.
1: Well, we know that 20 percent of our population, and this holds nationally too, at any one time over the age of 13, 20% of our population will experience a mental health event of some sort in a given year, some sort of mental illness, from feeling depressed and anxious to everything up from that. And I don't mean to minimize depression or anxiety at all, because frankly, most of the kids are presenting with extreme depression. They're very anxious. They're having suicidal thoughts. They've tried suicide, some of them. They are, uh, many of them, you know, coming from a history of trauma, uh, neglect, abuse. And this goes, you know, all through all socioeconomic levels. This is nothing, nothing that's exclusive to a certain point because we know that mental illness doesn't discriminate.
0: What are some of the flags that parents and, and teachers and, and their friends can look for when there are signs of depression, signs of potential suicidal tendencies?
1: Well, the kids are pretty akamai. I mean, they will actually talk about this with each other. I just went out to Kaneohe Elementary School to talk to a group of, I, th- I think they're fifth graders, and they were asking me questions you wouldn't believe, Chad. I mean, they know what's going on. They've been exposed to suicide. Some of them have had suicidal thoughts. We had a case not too long ago in Hawaii where there was a 9-year-old who committed suicide and a younger sibling found that child. So, I mean, these are not things that are outliers. The kids are feeling extreme pressure. It's probably the most difficult time ever to be a child and, you know, conversely, to be a parent, too. But they're having so many issues that they, they just need some help with. And because their minds are developing and they don't have the ability to see time and understand consequences as well as an adult does. I mean, brain research tells us that we really don't become fully adult until sometime in the middle 20s. Wow. Well. What does that mean for a nine-year-old or a 15-year-old who has been bullied, who may be questioning who and what he or she may be all about, who feels that their gifts and talents aren't going to be uh, you know, welcomed by, by the world, who feels that maybe their experiences are not going to be welcome in the world, that there's not a place for them? What matters then if they were to do self-harm or to kill themselves. Uh,
0: Kahi Mohalla a uh, non-profit, I'm, I'm yes. assuming. Yes, Kahi Mohalla op- is a non-profit open hospital. Open to anyone that wants to uh, bring their uh, kids in uh, for help.
1: As long as we have space, because it has three distinctly different points to it. There is the acute, which is when something is happening, a child is presenting right now and. Child who was there for an acute reason will be there maybe for a week or so. Leads
0: intervention right away.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, when we've had, I talked to mother last year, and she said to me, I was driving in my car, and my daughter told me that she was thinking about killing herself and had been thinking about that all morning and the night before, and this mother turned the car around and just made for a hospital. And, you know, bless her for doing that because she might have saved her child's life. So there's acute. There's residential. If a child is with us or an, a teen for any length of time, it usually hovers around a couple of months so that a child is there or a teen is there. So there and,
0: are there are uh, rooms, beds, uh, a cafeteria. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, it's a fully equipped.
1: And you can go online and take a look at it. Um, it's, a, it's a really beautiful campus. It was engineered with the whole idea of, of health and healing. There's a beautiful ROPES course, and rope stands for Reality Oriented Physical Experiential Services that's Challenge quite, Course. That's, that's a, why we just called ROPES. That's quite an acronym. And if you look at it from the top, it looks like it's um, an outrigger canoe, but it's 31 feet above the ground. It's for the, the teens and you know the older kids. And it helps to teach them a lot of of self reliance and also reliance on other people to trust to deal with goal setting communication all kinds of things. It's it's all part of recreational therapy. Okay,
0: uh, an acute uh, area residential and there's a third component as well. There
1: is that's that's the partial hospitalization program which is a day program. So we will pick the adolescent up in the morning and bring them back at night, and it makes that bridge. Back into life. But right. that's only for Oahu, I see. obviously.
0: You mentioned bullying. How much are you seeing incidences of cyberbullying?
1: A ton. I mean, you, you know, we've had these conversations before that. I mean, it seems to be on it's 24/7. the rise. 7. Yeah, yes. and yeah. the president's
0: wife, Melania yeah. Trump, has dedicated uh, her work in the administration to trying to combat that. We're not going to go politics on this conversation, but it's a very real. A situation where people are being bullied to the point of suicide uh, because we have the internet, because we have social media.
1: That's right. You know how it is that if a child were to be bullied on the playground in days of yore, that child would come home, close the door, and maybe would have some peace and sanctity within a room. But that doesn't happen anymore because the internet and the ability to access it is 24-7. Yeah. And kids are worried. I mean, there are kids who get up every single morning and they check what's happening on their Facebook page. They're checking what's happening. Well, not even Facebook because that's so passe for them. But, you know, they're checking- They've moved
0: on to Instagram and to other
1: platforms. Exactly. And so whether it's Snap or whether it's, you know, Instagram or whatever it may be, they're checking to see what their friends are saying. Did they get enough people paying attention to them? What are they saying? How are they saying it? And they use that as a gauge in many cases- to to let themselves, you know, or to regulate how they feel about themselves. It's very much outside to in. And, you know, frankly, it would be really great if parents were better clued in because in many cases when something does happen, that's the first indication to a parent that there has been something going on for a while. And the kids will often say, and I hear this from our medical director, that the kids will say that they have been having these issues for quite a while, and not just a couple of months or so, but it's been going on for Long time.
0: Are there times when you're seeing these, uh, I guess you would call it um, admissions uh, to uh, Kahi Mahala, where they peak, where they surge, times of the year where yes. they're more pronounced than others?
1: Yes. We're dealing with one right now, right actually. Right now in, in May. Because school is ending. Ah. And although school brings its own you know, traumas, we just talked about, bullying, etc., uh, it still offers a rhythm and a regulation to a day where a child or a teen is going to be seeing friends and engaging in a certain way and that's something that keeps them going. And then when school ends and suddenly they're disconnected in many ways from that, then these thoughts, this you know, suicidal ideation is starting to peak. And, and according to our medical director, that's very much what we're seeing you know, right, right okay. now. And so parents need to be very clued into this because if they see that their child is withdrawing, that their personality has changed, they're no longer enthused about the things that used to really give them great pleasure, they're not as communicative, they're squirreling away in their room. I mean, all kinds of things where they're just simply withdrawing, maybe and loss of appetite, all kinds of things. And there are lots of lists that you can find What about um,
0: substance with abuse? How, how prominent does that factor into this?
1: Pretty prominently in, in many cases, not all, but many cases, because if a kid feels that something is wrong and they're trying to hide it... And self-medicate and or do something that makes them understand that something's going on, like if they're cutting, if they're purging, um, then that keeps it somewhat within their own control. It's not something that's maybe as visible to other people. Their friends will probably know what's going on, but mom and dad and grandma, grandpa, auntie, uncle, whoever is responsible for this child may be Simply not see
0: it. Uh, cutting. You mean really just cutting yourself, uh-huh. taking a, a razor blade a razor and cutting yourself. And cutting yourself. And by purging, are we talking about eating disorders? Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. And I, that's. That, and we're again, we're talking very much, you know, kids who are in the the preteen, middle school, and high school range. The little little ones of who come to us, the four, five, six year olds. A lot of them are dealing with ADHD related issues. They, attention deficit disorder. Right. Hyperactivity. And they are also dealing with uh, a lot of, you know, some conduct disorders, and they're being very defiant, defiant uh, disorder, and. They're also dealing, though, with suicide. I mean, we just talked about the nine-year-old before. I just can't even imagine. Yes, it's hard to imagine, but we all have to stop imagining and realize that this is real, and our kids don't deserve this.
0: You and I were emailing back and forth, uh, talking about ideas to talk about when you came in, and you mentioned that you have a personal history with suicide, and if I could trouble you, could you share a little bit about that?
1: For you, I would. Um, most people don't know this, and I don't like to talk about it a lot, but when my father was a very little boy when he was a preschooler, his mother committed suicide at age 29. Your grandmother. My grandmother. Obviously never knew her because my father was a baby and a little tiny child. Uh, But that colored him, his, his outlook in his entire life. And that was just, you know, one incident for me that let me know that things are not always right. And we didn't find out about my grandmother having committed suicide until my father was about oh 45 or 50 and then someone finally confessed to him that no she didn't have a heart problem which caused her to die
0: he didn't know until no. he was he was a, he was a full adult then basically right. so right. okay right. and then you found out probably while we were you a teenager or a young
1: he, no he didn't tell me either until much much later I see okay. so I think I was already a mom by the time he told me because one time we were having a conversation he said I wish I would have had a mother like you and it was probably the nicest thing my father right. ever said to me and I looked at him and he just started to cry and then all of this began to bubble out about what he had found out and then on top of that in high school I had a very very dear friend probably my best friend and he had told my mother that he Uh, just couldn't cope with life and was going to commit suicide and we spent many hours talking and seemed like things got better but shortly after college uh, he in fact did commit suicide.
0: You know I just as long as we're sharing on this very serious topic I just found out uh, two weeks ago someone that I had gone to high school and college with and who was very very close and who I still kept in touch with over the years, it just uh, took his own life in his in his 50s. And it just, uh, it's a terrible thing to think about. One other question if I just may ask, did I get this right, that human trafficking is also something that you're seeing? I think I saw this on the website for Kahi Mohala.
1: Yes. I mean, we know that some of the kids have been trafficked, that they are dealing with trauma. A lot of them come with this background, too.
0: I mean... Uh, sex work is that what human trafficking is that the way yes and it,
1: it? yes and it can be generational too I mean whether a kid is you know pimped out by a family member or is being abused by a family member and then you know sort of brought into it I mean there's a lot of that as you know yeah and when the you know, the kids present they can have that in their backgrounds too these are kids again who have been neglect- neglected abused of not well-shepherded in some ways. Not all, I'm not saying all the kids come with that, but this is a very big component of it.
0: I'm going to try and end on a more upbeat note. I don't know if that's possible, but um, many people in our community know you and they know your voice. You were on uh, Hawaii Public Radio for many years, of course, a member of the Pledge Drive, but you also had your own town square. And do you miss radio? It's been a couple of years now.
1: Well, actually, it'll be two years this coming August, and I miss talking to everybody on radio every day i miss that that interplay in with you yeah. and, and other people too but i also know that in all the time that i was a journalist and trying to elevate this conversation because this is not a new thing for me right. in watching what's been happening with our youth and our kids and seeing it worsen not get better and so when this position was created and knowing that kahi existed but that it really needed some shepherding it seemed to be a calling that I couldn't ignore.
0: It seems like you are exactly where you're supposed to be.
1: Well, I I hope that that is true. I'm certainly working for that to be, to see these beautiful faces and to think that these kids don't think that there's a place for them in the world uh, is really hurtful. And I just can't understand how anybody can see that these children and think that, well, you know, poor kids and next, that we really need to do something and we're in this little bitty state and who knows where brilliance comes from, you know, and one of those kids might just be someone who has something developing in his or her brain an idea that we might greatly need, and I don't mean to make this into an economic issue, but also, you know, we have a very real need for a healthy workforce, and this is part of having a healthy workforce. It's not just what you eat, but it's what you put in your brain. We don't bifurcate people. We don't say, here's your physical side and here's your mental psychological side. We are whole human beings, and we talk about whole child development, but in a lot of ways we don't really understand that and put it into practice when it comes to looking after children and teen, teens and, and their mental health.
0: Okay. Beth N. Kozlovich, uh, Senior Development Officer at Kahi Mohalla Sutter Home? Sutter Health. Sutter Health Kahi Kahimohala. Uh, that helps kids from age four uh, to high school with mental health issues. You can find them online, and uh, you can find us online as well at civilbeat.org. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Beth, and good to be sharing a microphone with you again.
1: Anytime. Thank you,
0: thank you and take care everyone take care of your brain bye-bye